Hallo, willkommen meine deutschen Freunde und Zuschauer da drüben. Ich wollte nur Hallo sagen. Mein Name ist Marc. Ihr könnt mich auf meinem YouTube-Kanal finden. Es ist Uncultured Currency und Half-Breed Observer. Und neben mir ist mein Freund und Co-Host. Hey guys, it's Mo from OTB Clubhouse. Yeah, that was German. Willkommen zu Money Market Truth by the Come Up Series. Welcome everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Letting everyone slowly trickle in. Mo, how you been, man? Good, man. I'm pretty sure, like, you know, sometimes you turn on a movie and you have the wrong language. That's probably how people feel right now. <laughs> I just wanted to, I didn't want to mess with everyone. Yo, quick shout out. You guys know I like books and stuff like that. So um, not a paid advertisement or nothing. But I think this girl's name is Betty um, Teckle. I just bought this book. She's a author. You guys should check it out on Amazon. It's $18 for your kids. It's a really cute book. Oh, it's um, for kids? Yeah, it's for kids. It was really cute. So um, she's one of my subscribers who always like been rocking me since day one. She told me her friend had wrote a book and I went and I bought it. So it wasn't given to me. I actually went out and bought it to support her. So y'all should definitely check it Drop out. Drop the link, Mark, if you can in the chat. I'm going to order it too. I'm going to do that while we're talking. So what's uh, what's going on with you, Mo? Okay, so I got, I'm going on vacation after six months. This is going to be my first vacation. Um, I'm gone Palm Springs tomorrow, and then I will be back till the next Wednesday. Oh, yeah, me too, dude. I'm going on vacation. I am leaving a lot longer than you, though. I'm going to the Dominican Republic. My family is already out there. They've been out there for about a week now or so. Yeah, it's been, been about a week, and um, so I'm going to join them for about two weeks or so. Then I'll return uh, mid to end of July. I'm excited, man. I'm, I need it. I'm, I'm ready for vacation, dude. I, I need I need a break. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no. I, I get it. Like, I don't take vacations. Last year I was gone, Florida, and people thought I was on vacation. I was still working. But now, like, one thing I learned, this is my second. Actually, I'm, I lied. I actually went to Mexico for a week, too. And then I'm gone next month, and then the month after, and then from there on, every single month, I'll be gone. You're, you're staying busy, man. So that's dope. I have uh, this planned and a cruise and nothing else yet. I got to try to come up with something for my wife's birthday as well. So, man, you know what? How's your trading been going? Um, it's been very well ever since March happened. March was one of the toughest months for me I've had in the last three and a half years trading options. Um, I changed the way I thought. Um, I was putting in too much emphasis on macro and it was subconsciously impacting my trading. And so after I've switched gears, it's been a lot easier. And I see why certain traders don't do well. There's traders that know a ton more than me, like a shit ton. They know more technical, they know more fundamental, but then I see them like buying three, four months outputs and they've got like 100, 200K followers. And all they do is just keep adding puts. They keep saying, oh, I have a macro approach. It's going to come down. And then we get like a 20, per, a 20 point drop and they get so happy the next day. We're up 60 points and then they're like, it's all good. We're going to keep, and that is like not good because I could tell you, I have October calls right now for AMD. I added it yesterday. Okay. October, four months, right? And mm -hmm. AMD is barely down four points. Okay. Barely. I'm down 20%, four points. Now imagine if you're out SPS or SPY a month out and how theta works, you'd be down. People that tell you, oh, I have time. It's BS. Like, it, options, like, unless you're, like, in a league <laughs> years out. Uh, it, it, it decays slowly. But I tell you this, though. I went um in the Roblox play. I got out of the, the short one that was ending. Actually, no, it was also ending on um, 30 days out. So next month on a monthly, 
I got out of those positions. I bought two. I took a small loss on that. But then I re-entered in the money at $38. And it's been actually sitting not too bad. So it hasn't been decaying as quickly as the one that was out of the money. So I'm going to start trying to do that strategy a little bit more. But again, I'm trying to stay away from just getting into directional bets anyways. You know that already. So, um, but yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. This market will in like will give you greed. Because when things start going up, you're like, I need to put like... Yeah. One of the things I did was I went nuts on Tesla, made a ton of money. And then when it got to, I think, 275, I kind of overextended. I'm like, okay, let me take all my profits, get 300 calls. They are 290. Is that what we got in? 290? Mm-hmm. And we gapped up after hours. And then the next day, they tanked. And because I uh, will talk about why I tanked. But then I'm like, cool, let me add another week to it. And then that went down. So, you got to be very careful. Usually I'm very good with it, but Tesla is the only ticker that makes me want to do stuff like that. Because <laughs> how much this thing can go. So yeah. sometimes like when it comes to Tesla, I throw the charts away. I'm like, okay, this is going to go. And Tesla is the only stock right now that's holding itself. The last two, three days have been rougher, which is fine. Like that's what happens when they retrace. Uh, but we'll get into why it's selling and what's going on. Um, but yeah, someone said Greece um, is a solid uh, place for a cruise. My goal was to go to a different country. And when I tell people I went to America, they say, why did you go to America? You should have gone to a different country. America is yeah. like Canada. Like, what's wrong with you? So my next place I want to go is I want to go to Europe for two months. Mm-hmm. Not for a vacation, but actually go rent a place out and stay there. That would be awesome. And, you know, I'm trying to move out there, so... Maybe we might see each other out there next time we're going on a trip together. So that would be awesome. All right. Let's switch over to um, hot takes. But here, for my audience and for you, Mo, I'm never trading Tesla again because it's the same same issues with you. So from now on, I am never, ever touching Tesla again as a trade. I promise myself that. Hold me accountable if I can the mind. You guys see me coming on here or on my IG talk about I, I'm trading Tesla. All right. Hot takes. Oh, yeah. Distress beacon. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh-huh. Here we go again, Morty. Now, here we go. And here comes the odd takes with Mark and Mo. All right, get, get ready. All right, first topic. Um, not good news, but let's talk about the Titanic submarine with billionaires and millionaires on them. The news came out. Did you hear? Yeah. Yeah, they are officially have been pronounced deceased so that was pretty much a mission impossible is how i saw it i did a video on it on my new channel um and it was kind of hard to try to do something funny because you know my my political satire channel is mostly just trying to be funny and crude but it was hard to do one when you knew that these individuals were going to likely die so um i kept that one kind of serious and um yeah see how that plays out overall but it's crazy to, to see all the red flags with this situation did you see that whole um interview that he did about a year ago on cbs where he was showing people the submarine vessel and everything yeah well i can ask you a question you, you're an intelligence guy you understand like oftentimes what we're shown uh isn't what's happening in the background mm-hmm. you know what that doesn't make sense to me and i haven't really spoken about it bunch of billionaires decide to enter the submarine, right? And they understand there's no GPS, there's no radio. Does that make any, like the, a billionaire is the 1% of a 1%, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not like, it's not something like an average person, middle-class person was paid to go on this experiment. Someone actively chose Volunteered. to pay 
250K to get in this thing, which they said it's the size of a minivan. And they apparently had a sandwich and Ziploc bags for if they had to go to the washroom. Do you think like anything I'm saying making sense to you? Like just maybe one person, but there's eight or was it five or eight? I'm confused. It was five. It was five, five total. It was um three. I think the the pilot, obviously. And yeah. then I think it was um two other people. I'm sorry, three other people with, but one of them had a kid with him, his son. So yeah. Yeah, it was. But does was, that add I, up for you? Like, no, man, like, no, no. It, listen, but it, there, there's a lot of dumb shit that billionaires and millionaires do because you know they, it's limitless. You have enough money to do whatever you want to do in life. So instead of going to like one of those Titanic exhibits, it's like, yo, we got enough money. Let's find out if we can physically see it. So and, wouldn't you hire someone though? Like, you are a billionaire. You wouldn't make sure that the machine, like, personally make sure that the machine's taken care of. Like, they're driving the machine with a remote control. Yeah. Like a Xbox no. or <laughs> yeah. The remote control, the PlayStation 3 version, third party remote control. Yes. But in fact, they actually did have a pilot um, or driver, whatever, however you want to call it, on a submarine. Um, but he apparently fired him a year ago to try to be more diverse or something like that is what I heard. They, like they hired, they, they fired the most experienced person who was also apparently bringing up a lot of red flags with the vessel. And he was fired according to some of the news outlets that I heard because it's like more and more information is coming in. And it's, uh, it's, it's sad. What was really disgusting to me, however, was the fact that um, since I had to do research for my video, I went on like TikTok and. Um, oh, dude, there, I know what you're going to say. You saw him, right? Just the, the amount of celebration to watch someone die. I actually posted that on a, a Twitter. I said how people, you could tell where we're at in a society right now by just looking at how people are reacting to this. Mm -hmm. um, it's crazy, dude. There's people, very respectful accounts on Twitter posting stupid stuff, making jokes about this stuff. I It's beyond me. I understand like there's a natural hate people have of at billionaires. I get that. You know, mm -hmm. I get that part. But at the end of the day, these people died, right? Um, and it wasn't like they were committing a crime or something. I understand, like, there's a lot of people do a, like, you could call doing a bungee jumping stupid, right? Mm -hmm. no, you could, no, but you could, right? You could yeah. literally hurt your back. You could do so much shit, like hit the rock or something like that. But the way people reacted to this, do you know, uh, on, I don't know if it's CNBC or Fox, they were talking about, you know, tax dollar, the amount, I think it costed $2 million per person. Uh, so about 10 million of uh, government's money to for the search. And the whole topic was, is it fair that the taxpayers have to pay for it? They don't talk about the money that's gone to Ukraine. Uh, and I won't get into it. No, but you're 100% you're right. But well, I guess the narrative is a little bit different though, right? With the whole Ukraine versus these people in a vessel. See, Ukraine's poor, innocent people is what is framed as, right? Poor, innocent people who can't defend themselves versus billionaires who have ridiculous amount of money who decide to do to go on this excursion themselves. Agreed, but then you're increasing taxes for people that live in America and mm -hmm. student. Like I'm like. If you do you know what there's like, I don't want to get political, but what I'm trying to say is I don't buy this because it's there's so many holes in these stories. Like, I don't know. Like, it, I could be completely off. And no, no, Ukraine? No, about the people, actual billionaires getting into this. No. And it actually, and they have no clue with the technology we have, what's happening. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's a crazy situation. It's just sad regardless. And, and it's just the, the lack of 
humanity I was just seeing on Twitter and stuff was just sad. I mean, because again, we've been kind of conditioned to hate billionaires and millionaires. And it's we always have this vision that these people have become rich by just getting inherited. Yeah, yeah, like, like yeah, family money, getting inherited and stuff. But there's people who are self-made millionaires as well. So it's like why why punish millionaires because they have more money than you is the best way I say. It. I know some of them are, are jerks and assholes and take advantage of the system, of course. But there's a lot of millionaires out there and billionaires as well who are not evil villain villainous people who just got their money from daddy. And then on top of that, imagine if you're a millionaire, would you want other people to tell you what to do with your money? Like, I thought it was stupid that, that Elon bought Twitter. You could do so much more with that money. But it's not my money. It's his money. Let him do yeah. what he wants to do with his money. That's just it. Um, but, you know, speaking of millionaires, have you heard about Patrick Bet David? Do you watch him? Uh, yeah, I, I like his stuff. His podcasts yes. are cool. He's a millionaire. If you guys do not know who Patrick Bet David is, he has one of the most successful podcasts currently on YouTube called Valuetainment. He seems like they stream every single day. They have some pretty interesting guests and stuff come on. He also wrote this book. Here's another book you guys can check out. I enjoy this book thoroughly. Clearly, I am a fan of, I wouldn't say a fan. I respect Patrick Bed David. Now, I know there's some controversy going on with him, how he made his money, right? A lot of people say he's a scammer or a grifter. And for my research I did on him, um, especially because you guys already know I don't like those type of people, but um, he was in the insurance space, which is basically... The way he was running the business is like a multi-level marketing, which, again, is kind of on the grifter space. But the process does work if you really work extremely hard. But it is like a pyramid scheme. The people on the bottom end up not making as much money and they rely heavily, heavily on recruiting. Because I used to um, work for Primerica as like a side hustle. I wanted to sell insurance to people. But when I quickly learned that it really wasn't about selling insurance, it was about recruiting more people underneath me. Who are going to sell insurance as well i didn't like that i just prefer just to sell a product but the insurance does actually work because i know someone who passed away and got paid out through um primerica and um my wife's one of my wife's cousins is married to one of like the top sales people within that organization that he used to run i don't know if he still runs it or not um but yeah the guy is a beast when it comes to the entrepreneurship space and he announced today that he is now minority owner of the New York Yankees. Must be nice to be rich, <laughs> right, Mo? I mean, this is, I think this is why people start hating millionaires and billionaires when you're just like, damn, man. I don't know if it's like jealousy or what. What do you think? Um, the jealousy part, it's just, um, there's a book called uh, Fast Lane Millionaire. And they talked about uh, when most people see a young person, especially a young person, 25, 35, driving a really expensive car, um, and if it's usually a person of color, um, the first thought is either they're a drug dealer or, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're doing something illegal. You know, like if they're not in entertainment, they're doing something illegal. And that's usually how you kill the curiosity in your head and you stop thinking. If you think, what have they done to get there and ask questions yourself or to them or like do some research, like you start thinking about how you can get there. But the moment you just say that, you know, this person did it by doing something wrong. Uh, you shut your brain of thinking it's sort of like when you want to buy something or your kid wants to, and you say, we cannot afford it. Mm -hmm. You just shut your brain down thinking like, 
how could I afford it? Rather than just when you say it, it's just, it's done. The brain stops thinking. That's the subconscious part that I've studied. But a lot of books talk about it. But he's a really, really smart guy. Like He is. He is. I don't enjoy all his takes on business overall. He's huge on, I feel like, exploiting workers. And he always tries to repackage it as if you work really hard, you can become successful, which is true as well, because he clearly did it right. He was in sales. But that's the one thing, like if you ever take, uh, like if you take anything away from the stuff that he talks about on his podcast and stuff, if we always talk about this in the past, nine to five, right? A lot of us may be stuck in a job that's like a nine to five that we hate, but you can try to get like a side hustle or side job in sales and start learning how to sell. I mean, a lot of those grifters that you see online selling financial literacy courses have the groups and stuff like that. They're at one point or another, they were in marketing or sales and they succeed in that space, which means that it all automatically succeeds to anything else that they're trying to sell. So if you ever want to get like a skill that's kind of hard and we has a, basically a limitless amount of money that you can make, get into sales, man. It's and you know, or try to start your own business, but that's risky as well, right? So it's about risk and reward. But sales is not a place you started in sales too, didn't you? Well, because you worked at, at that Best Buy, Canadian version of Best Buy. I've been in sales since I was 16. Um, I've done indoor, uh, outdoor, outbound, door to door, retail, uh, all sorts of sales. Do you think it's like a good, I guess, skill to have? It's the only skill you need if you want to be successful. Others will help, but that's a primary skill. Even if you're not selling something, you work a corporate job, you're selling yourself mm-hmm. you're, and or you're selling ideas, right? Um, the thing is, a salesman is a salesman. It's a very neutral thing, but if their intentions are wrong or how they don't, if they don't have integrity, that's where the problem happens. They just like how many times we go. Um, I don't want to say car dealership to say, but just I just came from a car dealership. <laughs> it's just you could set, if I'm if you're a salesperson, you could smell BS. You could see like you know how many times. I've been sold separate shit that was part of a package. And then I inquire, is it part of it? Do I have to get it? And then they said, we strongly recommend. I'm like, so I don't have to get it. No. Okay. So um, I think sales is possibly one of the biggest skills everyone should try possessing. And if not, then you kind of suffer in whatever you do. Yeah. Because even like, I don't care for Grant Cardone, but his 10x book talks about sales and there's some good information there as well. I, I like everything sales, man. Um, I just, but like we talked about, you can misuse it and yeah. and abuse it in many ways. It's just like that book I'm reading right now, The 48 Laws of Power. Have you ever heard of that book? Yeah, dude, I have like, it. Could be behind me. Oh, oh, yeah, dude. I have you finished reading it? Yeah, it's literally the most pressing book. Like reading it is like it's basically t- teaching you how to be a good salesperson in a way, but lying and how to use manipulative tactics to get to take advantage of other people. But use it in a nice way is how to try to describe it. I don't know. To me, it's a scary book. Every time I you, you could say take good things and kind of like do things that are good within your conscious, and then you'd be fine. Like if you listen, I think you've talked. Like I told you to read Alex Harmozy's Hundred Million yeah. Offer. If you really listen to what he's saying, he's saying that I'm if I'm making you hundred k, I have a right to ask for ten k. What people took from it is I can sell something for 100K. Mm-hmm. And I just need to make sure that I have enough of those people because once people find out that I'm selling garbage, they're not going to buy. So you just need uh, numbers. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The biggest, and I'll, um, I'll, I won't give too much information, but the biggest uh, company I work for within my options trading finance journey, that person had a big, big uh, community. But what I was seeing on the back end was every day 
close to 50 or 53 people were leaving and 53 or 54 were coming. So he was breaking even mostly because his marketing was amazing. But what that was telling me is that retention was crap, meaning what he was promising wasn't sticking. And for that's a big red flag. Like if you go part of any business, you the only question you need to ask is what's your longest client? And if they're a paying client, of course. That will tell you if the company is legit or not. And this could be options trading discords. This could be corporate, could be anywhere. If the company has high retention, that usually means that customers are getting some value. If you see new members every day and old people leaving, that's a big, big red flag. They're very, that also means they're very good at marketing if they have high numbers. That should be probably like a good red flag to look out for as well when yeah. you're people discord groups and stuff as well. Yeah. So you kind of get a good gist of that. Um, so speaking about like bad business and stuff, have you have you gone to the movies recently? Have I gone? I started watching Bla- uh, Black Mirror. Oh my god, that's an awesome show. That, huh? is, that is an awesome show. I didn't know this show existed till today. Oh, Apparently, it has six yeah. seasons. Yeah, yeah, the new season just came out. Amazing show. If you guys haven't watched it, definitely check it out. But the reason why I was bringing that up, I went and took my son to the Flash last week Thursday, uh, right after we were done with our episode, and um, I thought it was okay. Uh, however, people in studios were expecting this movie to make about 121 to 130 million dollars on opening weekend. Guess how much it made? 50? Now a little bit more than that, close. It was about 70, 70 million dollars. So it was considered a massive, massive flop, which is uh, equivalent to like the Black Adam. Black Adam was also ma- massive flop. So that was that was a flop for DC, um, which is the Warner Brothers ticker. So think about that. But also Elemental. Did you even know about that movie, Elemental? That's a new Pixar movie by Disney. No idea. Yeah, I, I saw it get marketed, and I thought maybe it was had something to do with um, that uh, that one cartoon with a girl's emotions and stuff. I forgot what it was called, but, you know, the different emotions in the head. I thought it was like a sequel to that. Anyways, um, the movie, I guess, had a lot of political elements in it as well, again, and that movie as well flopped. So Disney's been like just putting out a bunch of flops after flops after flops. And if you guys recall last week when we were talking about investing in Disney, we had our guest, Capital Mindset, go over the Disney fundamentals. And you kind of saw that there, there's a lot going on and he wouldn't invest into it right now. And I know a lot of people are probably saying, oh, I don't agree with you. So I want to bring up a chart here real quick because he had a lot of valid points here. If you look at just the direction that Disney's going into, um, just on content creation-wise, which is supposed to be a big part of their company or moving forward it was supposed to be you can see that it's taking a massive hit so let's say you don't care but you still love disney and you want to invest into disney i'm one of those right i do like disney um i'm holding off right now i'm telling you this but i'm going to bring up my chart here real quick and i just kind of want to show you where disney is currently at this is on a uh, weekly chart by the way there it is encroaching a demand zone but more importantly is actually at a support level This support level is at the $88. So just to be clear, if you zoom all the way out, let me go put this full screen real quick. If you zoom all the way out, for example, and just look at the levels right now, you have an opportunity to buy again. If you missed in December, you have an opportunity to buy again. If you missed in November of last year, you have an opportunity to buy where Disney was at in March of 2020 during the pandemic. And before that, it went as low as um 86 bucks back in 2016 so disney is pretty much at a really really low price which 
does grab my attention and it makes me a little hungry into looking into this. So if you are a Disney lover and a Disney simp and a stan and you don't care what the fundamentals are, that capital mindset went over, um, do your own due diligence, go back, just do a little bit of research, the bull case and the bear case and decide. But I would say just me as an investor, if I was going to buy a Disney, I would start nibbling here for sure. I would. I would wait for more to go in here, but we never know. It could just bounce. And honestly, it also kind of looks like a good trade setup as well on a technical level. Right, Mo? Yeah, actually, looking at the Fibonacci, I had it because I was in Disney called. Um, it re- it rejected right at the 0.786 level, which was 94.39. Um, 85.81 is the level that Disney has held, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, anything around 85, I'd grab it. Personally, I don't think it goes lower. Uh, and if it does break 94, we get 100 pretty fast. Yeah. Would, would you? What do you think? Would you have bought, as an investor, would you buy Disney? Or did you think that uh, Capital Mindset has some pretty valid points? I think I want to clarify, too. A couple of people were like, why did Capital Mindset said no uh, to Tesla in the comments? Um, I think sometimes like when you look at it and he's saying no, he's saying no for himself. Because what he's saying is if I have, let's say, $10, I can use $10 somewhere else and make more. more it's more. not that this won't move, but in terms of risk reward, there's other trades. He doesn't want to add Tesla here because Tesla went from 100 to now 270. Why would he get it now? Like if someone said no to Nvidia stock, don't be shocked. This stock is like up. <laughs> it's it's insane, right? ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. 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 And Ron, I only do trades. So in my opinion, at if it gets to 85, it's a good $10 trade, which is basically each share you buy, you can make $10. Now, is are there better companies? Yeah, they are. So why would you play Disney? There's people that play the same stock over and over again. Like Mark, he knows Disney because he does that. So he could just keep buying at 85 and keep selling at 94 and sell like, so if it was, if I was Mark, let's say he buys $10,000 worth of shares at 85, sells them, sells $8,000 worth at 94 and then leaves at 2000. Maybe one day it gets to 150 or something. And he like, he has a risk management around it. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, definitely think about that. Hey, so before we get to the next topic, Hey, what was the, um, what was Kathy Wood's price target for Tesla since you brought that up? Um, funny you ask, let me share my screen. Okay. So this is Tesla, um, 2026 price estimates per share, um, 2,900 bear bull is 5,800 and expected median would be 4,600. Wow. Okay. And didn't she just sell? She sold 32,000 shares today (laughs) and she sold about the same yesterday too. And I don't sure why she's selling it on a red day too, but um, like if she sold in media makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is giving something that much of a value and then selling it way, way below. So, yeah. well, it's probably because, I mean, if you look, Tesla literally ran up what 30% in June alone. So it's really kind of been on a massive run. It's no, but she's not a trader though. We are. She, she's an investor. She's thinking, remember, she said that a million times. I'm thinking 10 years. I'm not thinking tomorrow. She said that. I don't know. It doesn't add up. If you're thinking 10 years, why are you taking profits? Or, but it, I don't know. She may know why she sold it, of mm. course. But I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that, um, like they said, with Morgan Stanley, they just downgraded it for a second time now. They're moving it from equal to overweight. 
And the price, though, however, they, they kept that 200, well, they brought up from 200 to $250. And it's mm-hmm. above $250 right now, correct? So maybe she saw that news and was like, you know what? Let's, let's just start shaving off some or something. I don't know. Come on, bro. No one listens to these analysts. These are like, uh, these. they upgrade one week, downgrade second. It doesn't matter. I think um, it's the same thing where I've said it multiple times. If you own something, you're not going to say it's going to zero or it's going down. And if anything, man, Tesla partner with GM, Ford, now Rivian, and I think they're partnering up with someone else. They're in uh, in talks to buy a company that might be uh, they manufacture batteries or something. Like what she's talking about is happening, and the whole self-drive sh- taxis is her big vision. That's what's going to take Tesla. So why sell now? Um, the only thing is she thinks they might market as a whole might go down, which I agree with her. But you sometimes, you know, they, there's a saying, put your money where your mouth is. And honestly, forget what she's saying. Just watch what she's doing. Like, she's taking profits uh, on Tesla. She took profits on NVIDIA, too. Like, yeah. I don't know. All right. Very true. All right. That was it for the, the hot takes. You want to just take a quick question, see if anyone wants to ask yeah. real quick? And then we're going to wrap it up. So, all right. What's that question there? When it comes to risk management on trades, do you do you just a variance of five percent of EG, or do you got a specific indicator? Um, so basically, um, let's talk options, right? And I say this a lot in options: don't go by percent, go by levels, because you could say your profit target is this much, and your stop loss is let's say fifteen percent. Market can go 16% in reverse because market is not following your levels. Market follows its level. So identifying those levels and then doing that is what I would do. And then you yet still have a percent where you um, put like a stop in terms of percent. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we look at Apple and you're like, okay, my stop loss on Apple is this level. It gets to that level. And you're like, should I hold it or not? You keep holding it for some reason, okay? Now, you need to have another step loss. That's the most amount of money you're willing to lose. For me, that's 50% on an option, especially on a weekly. Mm -hmm. That's not for me to um, make any money or any logic. It's simply when I get emotional, I want the system to take care of it because I don't want to be manually doing it. So at 50% I'm out. Uh, But yeah, that's sort of what I do. All right. We got one question more here. Question two. Think Boeing stock is going to suffer long term from their supplier closing due to a strike. Bro, I got so many DMs on Boeing. Um, they were they're like people like, should I hold? Should I hold? So um, Boeing is simple. It lost its 50 moving average, and the 50 moving average is 207, I believe. Give me one second. Let me uh, check. It's 207.28. Until it gets above it, I would chill. What I would tell you is Boeing is one of those companies that would never really go anywhere. I've never, the, Boeing follows a lot of bad news. I think the next quarter would be a lot better for Boeing. I think the stock is going to $300. Um, and Ron, good job on your SoFi. Um, it's all you, man. It's risk management, everything. Uh, what's your opinion on residential REITs? Uh, should I wait until the housing market pullback? I personally think that housing market, everyone was trying to short it. I wanted to. I didn't know enough about it to short it, so I stayed out. They've been doing really well. Like, if anything, like the Zillow, I was looking at Zillow, which is part of REIT 2, looks phenomenal. I would personally wait for a full uh, pullback. I wouldn't short it yet. 
yeah, if for um real quick, just to go back to Boeing, if anyone I'm looking at Boeing, I didn't realize is that a key um is going towards a key support level. So for all the investors out there, if you're interested in actually investing into Boeing, again, Boeing's not going to go anywhere. Really, realistically, like you just said, I think anything under 200. Um, I have a level here at just real quick 194. Then um, I have 169 as a support, and then I have about 145. But I think it, it most likely will likely hit below 200 real quick before it bounces, I think. So, yeah, that's it, right? That's all the questions. One last question. When is NVIDIA getting a pullback? <laughs> I did have a pullback. I, I wish I knew when it gets that serious pullback. I think he wants to know when's it going back to 150. <laughs> um. You got to figure out uh, the feds first, right? You got to figure out Mr. Powell pauses and says it's not a pause. That's like me telling Mark we're going on a break and Mark's, uh, or me telling Mark that me and you aren't talking for a month. And he's like, are we taking a break? I'm like, no, but we're not talking for a month. And that's what uh, Powell is doing. He's taking an action, but making sure that it's not calling uh, it a pause. And he's saying he's looking at at least two uh, interest rate increases. So, it all depends on the macro. Uh, overall, NVIDIA is extended, and these things can stay overextended for a long period of time. Once we see the rotation, you're going to see NVIDIA pull back. The rotation is going to be into stocks like NVIDIA. It's going to be into stocks that are beaten down, uh, like beyond. Trust me, there's there's a whole meme squeeze coming. You're going to see. Yeah, and if you look right here, I just put a level for... I. If I was a betting man, I would say that NVIDIA is most likely going to go back to 325 at least. At least 325. But yeah, so that is it. We're going to next, oh, well, next week I will be gone. Mo, you may be here. So we'll see what's going to happen moving forward. But we will still most likely have a show or a replay. So just know we're still going to be here next week, Thursday for the next two weeks. And then we're going to start diving more into how to be a better investor. And then I'll think me and Mo need to also address some stuff when it comes to our price target about Tesla at 65, which... We'll let you know soon if we are still standing behind that or not. So until next time, Mo, you got anything else? No, that's it. All right. Until next time, peace out, everybody. That's Hunter.